Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Morning. Hey, thanks. Uh, I love this church. I love you people. I was thinking of that just over there. I, I just love you people. And there's a baby crying back there. And I love babies crying during worship because I read somewhere once that an infant's cry is always to the Lord first. And it's so cool to hear a baby. I know as a parent, I was a parent, you always, Shh, don't, don't, you know, you carry him out, bring him to a prison or something. But... Um, I remember that when the girls were younger. A baby's cry is always to the Lord first. Makes me think that's what my cry should always be to first. Uh, I'm Brian. I work part-time at the church. I work full-time at JMU. I'm Aubrey's dad, who many of you know. I'm Pam's wife, uh, husband, uh, <laughs> many of you know. Uh, you knew what I meant. You, you were just taking unfair advantage of a slip-up. You knew exactly what I meant. Don't pretend. And Suzanne's dad as well. And uh, this morning we're going to take two trips back to the 80s. Um, I know before some of you were even born. The first is an account that was relayed by the late Chuck Colson. He's writing about Joseph Tsong, who was one of the heroes of the faith during the communist reign in Romania. And he tells the story of something that happened shortly before the fall of their dictator, Nicolae Ceausescu. There was a small church on the outskirts of Timisoara that was about to begin a secret nighttime gathering a few weeks before Christmas, 1989. It was a particularly dangerous time for the faithful with stories rampant about believers being martyred throughout the country as Ceausescu's reign was in its dying days. Just before the service began, a squad of soldiers burst through the doors, shouting wildly, weapons raised, then the one who appeared to be the leader ordered his men to silence and looked over the small gathering. Those of you who are Christ believers, stay where you are. Those who are not, leave immediately. No one moved. The silence was broken only by the sound of weapons being cocked. This morning is a kind of part two to Pastor Kerry's message last week. He and I are filling in uh, for Pastor Adrian, who's having a much-needed vacation, and Pastor Adrian is uh, watching in this morning online. Good morning, Pastor Adrian. And so this is kind of a follow-up to what Pastor Kerry talked about last week. And if you're in the version notes, the link to his message is actually in there, so you could listen to both of them. The text, uh, core text for this morning that I'm going to be in is in Ephesians 6, verse 10, starting in verse 10. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. I'll have several scriptures today. Uh, some are going to be on the screen. Uh, if they're not on the screen, they'll be in the version text. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. I'm going to stop there because this message is about those three words. Take your stand. The Greek word is histemi, and it means 
to stand firm, stand among, stand strong, stand before others. Essentially, this word histami, which is all over the New Testament once you begin to look for it, means rise up and remain steadfast. Put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, this is a very well-known text. If you've been walking with the Lord for much time at all, you know Ephesians 6. And usually, I would continue on and unpack the armor of God. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stop. The armor is important, and it's usually what you hear in an Ephesians 6 message, but that's not what I'm going to talk about this morning. The belt of truth is important, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, all those things are important. But this morning is about the reason for the armor, so that you can take your stand. Rise up, stand firm, stand unshaken. And what's interesting here is that this you is you. It's not the vast indefinite crowd. It's not even you, the church. Paul is intentionally using the singular. You as an individual rise up in what he's about to describe as this great spiritual struggle. You, me, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Why would Paul say that? He says it because he has to say it. He says it because in Ephesus, there were people who had identified the wrong enemy. They were either fighting people in general, or worse yet, amongst each other in the church. Paul can't leave this unsaid because disunity and discord and choosing the wrong enemy was a problem in the church at Ephesus. In fact, divisiveness and disunity was a problem in many of the churches, Corinth, Galatia, Philippi, that we'll see later. Paul is addressing that and saying, you are fighting the wrong thing, and I'm going to describe to you what the right thing is. These powers, these spiritual forces, these evil in heavenly realms. Verse 13 now. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, now I know I'm stopping a lot, but these are all important, so that when the day of evil comes, this is weird, I always feel like when I'm pointing back here, I should be giving you the weather. (laughs) Low pressure system coming in from New Mexico. Strike that. So that when the day of evil comes, now don't assume that this is a revelation kind of day of evil that's coming apocalyptically in the future. No, this is, for Paul, this is now. In fact, one chapter earlier in Ephesians 5.16, he says the days are evil. I think we have a sense of that here, don't we? So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand again. This word is a root, a form of histomy. This is anthistomy, which means rise up against, stand firm, even withstand. You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. And then we get the list of the armor. But don't forget, the reason we clothe ourselves in the armor is so we can stand firm. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about the backstory 
Um, I wasn't sure what or uh, anything I would tell you, but I'm going to tell you as much as I can. Uh, this is a very personal message for me. It's, it's something the Lord's been speaking to me for months. I would say, um, and I thought through, because I don't want to use hyperbole, I would say the last 10 months have been the hardest months of my life, the hardest 10 months of my life. I thought about saying it, I thought about qualifying it, but really it is. Uh, I have had in the last 10 months, since actually October 2nd, multiple consistent health issues, extended health issues. Uh, some are figured out, some are not figured out. Don't think any are that serious, but all are painful. I, I have had cameras in me where I don't think cameras belong, frankly. In the middle of it, along with other, the other stuff that was being figured out, I had shoulder surgery. That's a lot of fun. I had COVID in January. I had two root canals on the same tooth, which then had to be pulled anyway. And because it had two root canals on it, it came out in little pieces. It took, I, I think it took three days to actually pull the tooth. It seemed like that anyway. It might have only been 20 minutes. but. Um, <laughs> And through, this is unprecedented. I'm glad I can chuckle about it now, kind of. But I've, I've felt, and Pam and I have sensed, that our family has been in a battle for up to a year. And I'm saying that because I'm guessing that some of you relate. In fact, I know some of you relate. I know some of you are going through these things. Needless to say, I spent a lot of time on my knees, a lot of time pleading with the Lord. Here's what I wanted him to do. Here's what I wanted him to do. I wanted him during this, you know, the lowest time. I, I, you know, this morning I feel okay, but it's been a struggle. And so during the lowest times, um, what I've wanted him to do is sort of pat me on the head and say, there, there, Brian, and go like this, and it's all better. And he didn't do that. Uh, in fact, he did something that I wasn't expecting. At my hardest times, he said, stand. Stand up. Rise up. Stand firm. You know, it's like, Lord, what I want is a bowl of chicken soup, a hug, and a puppy. And you're telling me to stand. I'm in the middle of the most significant battle I've ever faced in my life, and you want me to stand. And he said, as a matter of fact, especially because you're in the most significant battle you've ever faced in your life, I want you to stand. And what happened was something unprecedented. For months and months and months, the Lord has flooded my life with new people, people I didn't know before, who have come into my life and needed me to be the Christian I claim I am. It, I can count at least 30 different individuals who came into my life in this time and whom I know the Lord said, there's one, there's one. I've never seen anything like it. And Ephesians 6, oh my, oh, 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 Ephesians 6 everywhere. Driving home from a doctor's appointment once to deal with this stuff, the license plate in front of me said, Ephesians 6. Come on, Lord. I mean, I'm not that thick. The Vacation Bible School was on Ephesians 6. And so this is from me personally. In my hardest times, the Lord's word were compassionate, yeah, but they were firm. Rise up. Stand firm. I always knew, and you should know too, that it is not standing in my own power. It's be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 
the armor is his. I always knew that it wasn't, he wasn't calling me to pull myself up by my bootstraps. He was calling me to depend more greatly on him and stand up wearing his armor. And in fact, if you rise up, if you stand up, if you take a stand, if you stand firm and you're wearing any other armor other than his, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. So this morning it's coming right out of my personal experience. Three lessons what I'm calling standing lessons. As I said, you'll find that concept, rise up, get up, take your stand, stand firm, histomy, that root Greek word, everywhere, once you start paying attention to it. So three places I'm going. Standing in Christ means standing in unity, number one. Standing is sacrifice, and standing is an expression of real love. Standing is about unity. Standing is sacrifice. And standing is an expression of love. So that first one. Standing is standing as individuals together. Arm in arm as one. Philippians 4.1 Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm. There it is. It's to me. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Well, In what way? Well, keep reading. Philippians 4, now I'm on 2. This is in the version notes. He tells us to stand firm. He says, stand firm in this way. And then the next thing he says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. He introduces the concept of stand firm and then he talks about these two women who are at each other's throats the disunity in the church at Philippi. They were taking stands against each other. They could have read Ephesians. They chose the wrong enemy. And most of my favorite conservative scholars believe the reason Paul brought this up in a public letter was because it wasn't just these two women who were in conflict. The church was in conflict with itself at Philippi. He's using them as an example. They were leaders. But the first thing he says is, ask them to be of the same mind. The first thing he says after stand firm is, be unified. Biblical standing firm is a church together. There's no example, there's no model of biblical standing firm in a fractured church. And it's what Paul spent much of his time writing about in the New Testament. Where did he get it? Jesus. Remember Jesus' prayer in John 17? One of his last things he prayed? I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought together to complete unity. They may be brought to complete unity. Why is that important? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I know one of the calls for the Lord in my life is to get greater connected. I'm an introvert um, naturally, so connection takes work. But the Lord has said many times, you will not wallow in your independence and separate yourself from the body of Christ. Number two, Standing is sacrificing. First one, standing is about unity. You don't get to stand apart from being together with the New Testament church. Number two, standing is sacrifice. 
you can't find a New Testament example of someone who stood firm without also sacrificing. Acts chapter 14 to me is a fabulous example. Apostle Paul is in the city of Lystra and he heals a man who's never in his life walked. Acts 14.9, Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up! You'll never guess what word that, never guess what word that is. Stand up, on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Jumped up and began to walk. You'd think this would make everybody happy. It did not. Some people were hailing Paul and Barnabas as gods, which worried Paul and Barnabas, and then the Jewish leaders were angry, and it was controversy. So then, Acts 14, 19, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. And there are plenty who say he probably was. Usually stoning ends in death. Verse 20, Acts 14. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went as far from that city as he possibly could. After all, they had stoned him the day before. He was running full speed. As far... You're probably guessing that I'm being sarcastic. He got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. Apparently, his standing wasn't finished. And whether he had been stoned to an inch of his life or not, he went back. The models in the New Testament really do nothing but stand, and they really do nothing but sacrifice. There's no way around that for us. Standing is sacrifice. It is choosing against your flesh. It is choosing against your will. It is standing strong in his power. That brings me to our second trip back to the 80s, April 26, 1986. It's been called one of the worst days in recorded history by more than one publication. April 26, 1986, something happened that day that cost at least 16,000 lives and at least $68 billion in U.S. money. Do you remember? It actually could have been much worse. As bad as this incident was, it could have been much worse. It was the meltdown of the number four reactor at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in Pripyat, Ukraine. If a key valve had not been closed shortly after that initial explosion, the death and damage tolls would have been exponentially worse, possibly even reaching across the Atlantic Ocean, if not for three men. Maybe it looks something like this. The valve will be difficult to operate, so we'll need three men. We'll need to know the basement layout. And of course, any volunteers will be rewarded. A yearly stipend of 400 rubles. And uh, for those of you working in reactors one and two promotions, why are reactors one and two still operating at all? My friend was a security guard that night, and uh, she's now dying. 
and we've all heard about the firemen. And now you want us to swim underneath a burning reactor. Do you even know how contaminated it is? I, I don't have an exact number. You don't need an exact number to know if it will kill us. But you can't even tell us that. Why should we do this? For what? 400 rubles? You'll do it because it must be done. You'll do it because nobody else can. But if you don't, millions will die. If you tell me that's not enough, I won't believe you. This is what has always set our people apart. A thousand years of sacrifice in our veins. And every generation must know its own suffering. I spit on the people who did this. And I cause the price I have to pay. I'm making my peace with it. Now you make yours. And go into that water. Because it must be done. point he says we have a thousand years of sacrifice in our veins if you're a follower of Jesus you have 2,000 years of sacrifice in your veins I was talking to Suzanne about that um, I said that makes a pretty dramatic statement I, I've read a couple of good books on the Chernobyl accidents uh, interesting study and leadership and failure and all that but people sacrificed their lives to make it less than it could have been. And I, uh, Suzanne was the one who showed, first showed me this miniseries, and I said, I'm, I think I'm going to show that clip, but, but I'm not sure I want people to think that standing means they have to sacrifice their life. And Suzanne very respectfully said, what are you talking about? Of course standing means we sacrifice our life. The moment you give your life to Jesus, you lay it down. The moment you do. It doesn't take some powerful example. Yes. You follow the one who said, greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. So yes, standing is sacrifice. That brings me to the third aspect of standing. Standing is an expression of love. Jesus said something really curious when he was talking about the end times. I'm not claiming we're in the end times. Who knows? Uh, you know that it's for no man to know the hour. So, But certainly, we're in a strange age. Uh, in Matthew 24, starting in verse 10, Jesus is answering the question, what will the end times be like? And he says, at that time, 
This is Matthew 24, 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That's the essential problem. Verse 13. But the one who stands firm, guess, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Did, did you pick up on that? He sets up the comparison with cold love. So you expect the other side of that to be love. And the other side of it is love, except in Jesus' mind, that's what standing firm means. The opposite of this cold and dying love is standing firm. Ultimately, to stand firm is to remain faithful in love. More than anything else over this challenging time in my life, God's calling me to rise up and love more deeply, more than anything else. Let me, I'm older than most of you. Not all, but most. Let me talk to you as a, a father. Today's what, August 15, 2021. I think, brothers and sisters, we are living in the middle of a drought of love. We are surrounded by a drought of love. Call it what you want, a desert of encouragement, poverty of hope. I think we are surrounded by people who are more parched and more thirsty than they've ever been in my life. Encouragement is like a diamond now. The people who you'll encounter when you leave this building are parched, whether it's the pandemic or the times or the culture, and you are the one carrying living water. I think now is an unusual time, and I think God is calling us to rise up in love. Rise up in love. I don't think standing is some big grand gesture. I think we do it as an individual together. I think it's a choice we make. It's a choice we make when we leave the door. It's a choice we make today to dress yourself in that armor. You know, when the Lord was telling me in my darkest day, when he was telling me to get up, it wasn't get up, it was get up. That's where we are. And then once you have risen, you stand firm, unmoved in the power of his might. You stand in unity, you stand in sacrifice, and you stand in love. It's a choice you make today. And that's certainly what a man named Steve Wells did. Photographs and memories are all Tanner Brownlee has left of his dad. The Weld County deputy was killed in the line of duty nearly five years ago. Tonight, he had the chance to get one of his dad's prized possessions. But as 7 News reporter Marshall Zellinger saw firsthand, it didn't work out as Tanner had planned. So this is your dad holding you when you were first born. Tanner Brownlee has memories of his dad all over his house. And this flag was flown over the White House. His dad, Sam, was a Weld County Sheriff's deputy killed in the line of duty after a police chase in 2010. This means so much to me, um, just because he used the motorcycle all the time. He was given his dad's motorcycle jacket the day he died. Just everything I can get means a lot to me. The jacket doesn't fit, and Tanner wants something of his dad's that does. It means a lot to me and my brother. We, 
We've been through a lot. 5,000, now 7,500. 5, now 75, who do we 5, 5, 5, 75? 7,500, now 10,000. The Weld County Sheriff's Office is auctioning his dad's retired squad car. I think I'm just going to look around, see what everyone else is doing, try to copy them. So, just up them by one. The Dodge Charger, with 147,000 miles, is valued at 12,500. 12 and a half, now 15, now 17 and a half. But for Tanner, it's worth so much more. 45, now 50, who do we 50? Thank you very much. More than he could afford at the auction. Tanner's limit had come and gone. 60 now, 62 and a half. Y'all done? Sold it your way, Mr. Steve Wells. Thank you very much. $60,000. And so had his dad's car. Or so he thought. Tanner, here's your car. A stranger just bought Tanner his dad's car. Thanks a lot, man. So you had no idea that that guy in the back was bidding and then going to hand you the key. Nope, I shook his hand and I didn't know. I was fascinated by this Steve Wells guy and I looked into him and I, I saw that for a while he didn't want to be interviewed about this because he didn't want any intention on himself. But eventually he said uh, he apparently was adopted as a young boy by godly parents um, and he talked about all his parents did for him and then he said, I could have been aborted or given over to foster care permanently but my mom and dad stepped up for me. There was no chance I wasn't going to do the same for that young man who lost his dad. When's your turn? Those of you who are Christ believers, stay where you are, the Romanian captain said. Those who are not, leave immediately. No one moved. The silence was broken only by the sound of weapons being cocked. Not a single one of the faithful left, but stood resolute, waiting for the sound of gunfire. It never came. At a nod from the captain, the soldiers set their weapons against the wall. We're sorry to have frightened you, the captain said, but we had to know that you're true believers. And they worshiped together that night. The bottom line for this message belongs to Jesus, and you'll find it in Luke 21, 19. Maybe memorize it. Maybe put it on your refrigerator. Luke 21, 19. Stand firm, and you will win life. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.